Today's scripture is Matthew 6, 13, and followed by James 1, 13 through 15. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. No one, when tempted, should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. So last night I'd been spending uh, most of the day working on some school work and not doing too much with the kids. And Lavender comes up and she says, I want to do something tonight. And I said, okay, well, how about we go out to dinner? She said, great, can we go to Zaxby's? This girl loves Zaxby's. Every Sunday afternoon when we go home from church, she asks to go buy Zaxby's on the way home. And I got to tell her, baby, no, we cannot eat Zaxby's all the time because it is not good for us. So last night, I should not have been surprised that her recommendation of where to take a nice family dinner would be Zaxby's. And I said, baby, I am not going to go to Zaxby's. It's not good for us. Let's come up with something else. So we ended up going out for steak tacos, <laughs> which isn't necessarily healthier and it's an altogether different kind of temptation, but uh, it was the bowl of ice cream that was really gluttonous afterwards. Temptation finds us in all sorts of different ways, and uh, in big ways and small ways as well. And unfortunately, uh, faithfulness, when it comes to temptation, is that temptation plays a very long game. Uh, we spend our entire lives uh, wrestling with this push and pull uh, between the things that we want and the things that are enticing and the things that we have appetites for um, and the, the way that we're faithful, the way that we endure and we continue to follow after Christ. And the thing is, is it's such a long game that uh, some of our most seasoned uh, saints in the church that are with us can probably tell you that they struggle with temptation uh, each and every day still. And the very newest of Christians among us uh, can explain that that temptation uh, is still felt in their lives as well. It's, it's not as if we reach one level of holiness or uh, one, one year that kind of puts us over that mountain of faith that, that all of a sudden all temptation and sin just kind of uh, fades away. It grows with us. It evolves with us. Our tastes change. The, the things that we need in life or uh, the things that we hold on to that seem to be so important to us, it, it grows right along with us. And if you think Google and Apple is good about collecting data on you to find out how to advertise? Man, let me tell you about the serpent. The tempter, the accuser, the adversary, the enemy. The devil, Satan. It's almost 
that fisherman that just knows the perfect bait. He's just waiting for that perfect opportunity. When Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness to tempt him, he waited for after 40 days when he knew Jesus would be tired, when he'd be hungry, when he might be wondering when it was going to stop, is when the temptation comes. That bait on the hook, that allure, that appetite, that may seem so small at the time, but it has a hidden cost and a death to it that we never see coming at first. Now for most of us, we do a pretty good job kind of being good people. We kind of check the box on, uh, I haven't murdered anybody today. There's not, you know, not a large thing that I've participated in that has caused the downfall of society. But it doesn't always come in the large boxes, right? It comes in the appetites that, that come when we're in vulnerable moments. And it comes in all sorts of different packages. Now, my mother taught me um, an adage in life that has really helped me as I've grown older. And you guys might be familiar with this too. Uh, don't ever go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Yeah, because what happens? Everything looks good when you're hungry. Yeah. You spend too much money. You buy everything that you don't really need. But then you also forget what you do need. <laughs> I can't tell you over this last year, living in Texas by myself, going grocery shopping and not having to focus on all of the other needs of a family that I would typically be a part of grocery shopping for. See, I am good at telling the kids, no, you cannot have that. It is not good for you. We don't have the money for that. When I'm by myself, y'all, I had Swiss cake rolls. I had chocolate milk. I see a Swiss cake roll fan. I like it. Yeah. And I would get home, and I would have bags and bags of food, and I'd be looking at them, and I'd say, there is not a meal in any of these. <laughs> because everything looked good at the time. Everything seemed like a good idea. You go to Costco and the 12-pound bags of trail mix seems like a good idea in the moment, right? But the same thing happens spiritually as well. When we're hungry, when we're vulnerable, when we put ourselves in those positions to where we've been a little dried out, we've been a little unplugged, all of a sudden things start looking a little bit more enticing. This is something that I deserve. People don't know how hard it's been on me. If people just understood, well, it's not really hurting anybody. I can work it off next week. Those small little concessions, those small little slides, those small little purchases that we keep putting in the shopping cart of our faith and our spirituality, they start to add up over time. And just like, like that grocery cart that I find out that I come home and I seem to have accumulated a lot of stuff but that, nothing that seems to have any health or value or life in it. That cost comes due in our faith as well. If we spend a whole lot of time, a whole lot of attention and money on things that we didn't need and we forgot about the things that were most 
important. Because again, the, the sinful moments in life that are large, that are big, that we're going to go out today and most of us will not rob a bank today. Most of us. But that's because it doesn't seem like a good idea. We've been taught some, taught some large principles of life that help guide our actions. But temptation comes in those small, clever little moments that, y'all, I hate to say it, they seem to even make a little bit of sense. Satan doesn't lure us in from stories from the Garden of Eden to, uh, the Garden of Eden to Jesus in the wilderness to what we experience today with, themes that, with things that look big and hurtful and evil. Satan lures us in with things that look like they make sense. Things that are justified. Things that, that we can explain to ourselves. Man, we even come up with arguments in our head because we realize that not everybody is going to understand why we're going to do this, so I need to explain it. And sin is like a slide that just keeps getting steeper and steeper. And we don't jump in on the slide, at the bottom of the slide at the playground. We get up on the top where you can see everything, and it seems like it's going to be fun, and everything's worked out. And man, you can see all the angles and all the options, and you know that this is going to work out just fine. But the thing about sin that James brings out in the scripture that we did is it grows. And it speeds up. And it takes on a life of its own that we've never anticipated and we never see coming at all. Until we find out that not only have we lost control, but it has control of us. There's something about sin that wraps us up without us even realizing it. And it's almost to the point to where the sin grows, and we keep getting afraid that people will find out. And how many of us have had conversations where he said, I just never thought it would get to this point. It has a way of killing us from the inside out and us looking healthy on the outside the entire time until we can't hold it together anymore. And I think that's what's so important about why Jesus puts this smack right dab in some of the closing points of the Lord's Prayer. In the Sermon on the Mount that he's giving his disciples, he's saying we need to talk about temptation. <laughs> and we need to talk about sin and evil because it's going to come in a way that when we feel like we're leading our lives, we're going to think that we have it all figured out because we have all the explanations and all the justifications and, and all the excuses that we need to make this look like we have life held together. But when we are leading our lives, it only ends in one way. And that way is not life. And so lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I've always said it like that. Lead us not into temptation. But that comes into a little bit of tension this morning when we ask God to lead us not into temptation, 
And then we have James here a couple books later saying, God does not tempt and God does not lead us into temptation. Temptation is that swirling fight that's already within us to do the things that we know that we shouldn't do and to want the things that we know that we shouldn't want. He said, that doesn't come from God, that comes from us. And so Adam Hamilton, one of our most famous United Methodist pastors in Leewood, Kansas, and Pope Francis, they kind of revisit this line, lead us into temptation. And they say that a way of looking at this and reading this gets lost if we just read it so quickly. But in fact, they think that there's a missing pause, a missing comma that comes in the middle of that. Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that pause and that comma that comes, it puts a spotlight on the idea of who is doing the leading. Because the reality is it's not that God is leading us into temptation. The reality is, is that we're already leading ourselves. We're already on that one-way train. We're already on that, that, that ship that's already steering in one direction. And we are already on the way of our own ideas and our own opinions and our own agenda and our own appetites and urges and wants and desires and temptations. We are going to go with what we want the most. And that small little pause that comes with us asking God to lead us adds emphasis to the point of what happens in our lives when we give control. Not over to our appetites or our temptations or our sins, but our control over to God. And we ask God to lead us instead. Because the way that God is going to lead us is always a place that leads to hope. Always a place that leads to life. Always a place that leads to forgiveness. Is always a place that leads us from a deliverance from evil. And that deliverance is unlike anything else in this life. It delivers us from the most crushing consequences, uh, some of the most crushing moments that we have in our lives to remind us that we still have worth, that we still have hope, that some things can be rebuilt, that trust can be restored, that there could be moments where we can pursue new relationships and help rebuild old relationships. But even deliverance from the moments and the temptation that we don't even know that we are caught up in yet. Small little addictions and small little habits that we have not even begun to count the cost of yet. That live in the blind spots of our lives that other people start to point out and we start to think to ourselves, man, I didn't even know I had a problem with it. God's deliverance is absolutely and completely thorough. Because we talk about this in terms of good and evil. We talk about it in terms of sin and righteousness, in terms of light and darkness, and we almost create this duality. We almost create uh, this wrestling match or this football game or, or, or some sort of partnership in our head where, where all of a sudden things are pulling on us and the good is pulling us one way and the evil is pulling us this way. But let me tell you something about this match that we have established in our head and this duality that we have woven together. The reality is, is the darkness does not hold any chance at all. Life always conquers death. 
Hope always outshines hopelessness. And light always drives out the darkness. And it's not a chance that if we come to Jesus and we ask for Jesus to lead our lives, that things may work out in such a way that we get what we want. When we, have, when we give Jesus leadership over our lives, it's not that we get that what we want, it's that we get to be with the one who gives us everything. And we always talk about this prayer, even when we talk about it today, in terms of deliver us, lead us. We say it with a plural, but we apply it with a singular. We think about ourselves. When Jesus emphasized with just those, those pronouns right there, that we're talking about a community. And we're talking about each other. And that shows sort of the spread that sin can have in our lives because of the truth of the matter is, as a church, as a community, as a city, and as a world, that if one of us gets eaten up to the point that we fall and we crumble because of sin and temptation and hardship and darkness in our lives, it doesn't just affect us. It affects all of us. It's a weakness and a hardship that we all burden, and so we lean in and we support each other and we, we lift each other up and we show, help show each other the light. We help, we, we help display the deliverance that comes, and we get to together be a part of God's saving work in this world. And anytime we talk about sin, anytime we talk about temptation, which I don't know about Pastor Reed and Pastor Terry, I get more requests to talk about sin than anything. We need to preach more about sin, um, which usually means uh, we either need to preach more about the sin that, uh, that we're going through, or we need to preach more about the sin that everybody else is struggling with that I don't struggle with. But sin is a universal problem. Sin is every Sunday and every day and every hour and every minute of our lives that we struggle to hand over leadership, that we struggle to hand over life to the one who gives us all the life in the world. And so anytime we talk about sin, anytime we talk about temptation, hear the gospel truth of forgiveness as well. The guys, we are going to get it wrong. We are going to do things that we think are bright ideas. We are going to say things that we don't mean, and we're going to say things that we mean, and it's going to break things down. It's going to create distance in other relationships with those that we love, with strangers, with neighbors. It creates distance with God. We have sin that has reaped, reached into our lives, that has grabbed hold, that tries to convince us that we don't have worth, that we don't have value, that we can't be free. But I think Jesus included these words in his prayer that we should know inside and out to know that there is forgiveness, that there is deliverance, and that there is life, and that there is hope. And with as much as life begins to get difficult, that we get caught up in the, the push and the pull of uh, goodness, of evil, of darkness and light, of sin and evil, and Swiss cake rolls or Granny Smith apples, faith's really not about a push and a pull. In fact, faith 
is a, a lot more like a follow. Will you pray with me today? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks that we are not in charge of our own destiny, that your salvation for us doesn't rely on our bright ideas, because, Lord, our agendas, our hopes, our appetites, our opinions, and our opportunities to elevate ourselves above others seems to win out time and time again. And so, God, we turn to you, and we ask for you to lead us, to lead us away from the temptation that we have already steered ourselves towards, and deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil that already has a hold on our lives, a hold in our communities, and God, the evil that is still to come, that we might not be a part of its hold over the world, but we might be a part of your salvation and your grace, and to tell your story of hope and deliverance with a testimony that is unlike any other. As we pray this all in your almighty name, amen and amen.